Well, Oregon is going to be playing a much different looking Colorado team this year to begin Pac-12 play, but is the result going to be any different? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to or watch the show. Appreciate all of you out there. We have my man Kevin Borba here today. He's the host of Locked On Bus. And we were talking before we came on to record the show. This is Kevin's first ever appearance. So many of you Oregon fans out there and everydayers who don't also listen to Locked On Pac-12 may not know Kevin. And I will let you form a judgment of him by the time this show comes to a close. You think whatever you like. But Kevin, talking about the bus, had to have you on, of course, how excited are you for there to be actual, real, tangible football here in less than a month? I honestly forgot I covered college football. I thought I covered <laughs> expansion and realignment. You know, I, I've been just pounding out expansion and realignment articles. And it's like, oh, yeah, there is this thing called football that's going to happen. Yeah, it's easy to get lost in the weeds with all this stuff that is, uh, as we record this show, potentially changing even more. But let's let's keep the focus on on the bus here. So last year's game looked like a lot of Oregon-Colorado games over the years. Uh, the Buffs have beaten the Ducks just once, I believe, since joining the, the Pac-12, and uh, Oregon is going to be heavily favored to keep it that way by the time this game rolls around. My expectation going into this Colorado game is that it's the Pac-12 opener, it's at home, Colorado has made steps to improve via the portal, but the Ducks are still going to be, I think, a massive, massive favorite here. And they shouldn't have a problem with Colorado, right? Yeah, I think that's a it's a tough opening game for Colorado. Um, welcome to the Pac-12, Code Prime. Um, welcome tough, to the Pac-12. Now get out. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's tough to go to Oregon for anybody. Um, I I don't want to discredit uh, Colorado at all, but it doesn't matter if you're Oregon, Ohio State, whoever it may be. Um, going to Autzen Stadium and playing in front of what is a very hostile crowd, very rowdy crowd, is a tough environment. Um, and Colorado is going to be coming off a very interesting first month. They're going to be extremely battle-tested, but they're also going to be extremely poked and prodded at. They open the season on big noon kickoff at TCU. Then they come home for their first home game of Coach Prime's tenure against Nebraska on big noon kickoff. Then they play a rivalry game against Colorado State. And so they have a lot to like figure out in a short amount of time. And so I think feel like if I was Oregon, I'd be excited because you're catching Colorado before they could probably get hot. And if I'm Colorado, I'm probably not as excited because Oregon's catching you before you could still, before you might have everything figured out. Yeah, I, I think that it's most likely Colorado will go into this game one and two. I think they probably beat Colorado State, though they've lost to the Rams before as a as a program, but this is uh, certainly not one of those teams that you feel like would, would do that. They still have a long ways to go. Their win total is just three and a half in the eyes of uh, odds makers at FanDuel Sportsbook, second lowest total in uh, the Pac-12, second only to Stanford. So I look at Colorado and think, yeah, I don't see them. You know, I mean, it's just such a tough start. Like <laughs> You're going to go at TCU. That's going to be a loss. You're going to have Nebraska at home. That's a more winnable game. I think that's a win right there. I, I don't. I don't trust. Really? 
I don't trust Jeff Sims until he proves me wrong, which he mm. could very well pop off for like 700 yards total and prove me wrong. But until I yeah. see it. <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, Nebraska about a touchdown favorite or so in Boulder. Yeah. So it's not it, – Vegas doesn't see that as, as impossible for sure. But regardless, I, I think that even though Colorado's made some some sizable steps forward – I think Oregon has also taken steps forward. And Oregon was so far ahead of Colorado last year that has Colorado gained some ground? Sure. But it might not be 49 to 10 the way it was a season ago, Kevin. But I still think the expectation for Oregon fans going into this game is it should still be a comfortable win where we might see the backup quarterback, Ty Thompson, get get into the game. That That's, that's how I feel about it. Am I off base there? Oregon legend Ty Thompson. Um, been waiting for him to take over the starting job for what feels like uh, since I was in he's high school. Entering, he's entering year three, and he has not made a start as the highest-rated quarterback recruit in program history. Shout Funny out how him. that works. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a strange world, but anyway. <laughs> hey, you know, back to, the, back to the discussion. I think, realistically, yeah, it's probably a prime opportunity for, for Oregon to kind of establish dominance again. Um, I think Colorado is just going to be in a weird phase. Um, this whole season, uh, when they play – they don't get any easy um, – they don't have an easy start like we mentioned, and they have to play most of the top teams in the Pac-12. And so I think Oregon will be a good gauge as to how far apart they are between Pac-12 top teams or how close they are. Maybe they surprise us all. Um, I think there's a lot of moving parts. And the thing that worries me the most is the trenches, which I know we'll get to later, but the offensive line for Colorado is – I've yet to see a positive review about them. So I'll just leave that out there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's I think it's a fair a fair place to be. So th- this this game now, you know, I think was half circled by a lot of people. It's Colorado's first Pac-12 game. It's Dion's first Pac-12 game. It's now going to be the last year that the Buffs uh, are are in the pack. And as we record the show, we don't know what's going on with the pack, but it doesn't look good, uh, shall shall we say? And I'm most interested to see how that particular sentiment airs. Uh, by the time August 9th is rolling around here. But I I get the sense that at least a little bit, there's there's a little bit more juice in this game because Dan Lanning fired what we call a shot across the bow at, at Colorado because he hasn't been in the pack for very long or at Oregon for very long. And he was asked about Colorado leaving and said, I know no big reaction. Have they... Have they won anything of note in this conference? And and suddenly everyone was like, oh my gosh, they're taking shot. And then Colorado and Oregon fans were suddenly sparring on Twitter. And look, I'll, I'll be honest, Kevin, I thought it was pretty funny. Thought it was honest and, and accurate, frankly. And I don't know that you can add a lot of spice to a game that I still expect Oregon to win by a lot. But boy, Landing is sure making an effort there, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, I took a different perspective as someone who covers Colorado. Um, one, he's not wrong. Uh, Colorado has two winning seasons in the Pac-12, and one of them was the COVID year. Um, so one and a half, we'll call it. Uh, realistically, they haven't done anything in the Pac-12. They made it to one Pac-12 title game. They got blown out by Washington. Uh, it's just been a cycle of mediocre coaches making mediocre decisions and not recruiting well. Now Coach Prime is here, so excitement is there. Um, I don't think this is like a shot at him, which I think is where a lot of the a lot of the commotion comes from. I think a lot of people, every time someone talks about Colorado, is like automatically like that's a shot at Deion Sanders right there. And it's like he's had nothing to do with what Colorado's done for the past decade. Like he's done nothing for Colorado the past decade. I think ten years ago he was probably on NFL Network analyzing the draft. I don't know where he was ten years ago. He had a, a TV show, a, a reality show. So like he wasn't involved with Colorado at all. 
Um, I will say, though, and this kind of changed after the report that we were talking about prior to the show, which just to kind of hint to the viewers at the time we were recording this, Oregon is being linked to the Big Ten. So I recorded my show before that came out. But I said that maybe Dan Lanning was just trying to put on a brave face for the Pac-12 and kind of silence the Pac-12's dying noise. Because at the time, three hours ago when I recorded, it was like the Pac-12 might stay together. They might try this Apple thing out. And so I was like, maybe downplaying the departure of Colorado can kind of help ease the the noise. That was my approach. Obviously, things change immediately after my episode was over. But <laughs> I think I think I was onto something there because does Dan Lanning? I, I agree. Because what is what does Oregon gain from being like, you know what? That's terrible that Colorado's leaving the conference. Or what does anybody in the Pac-12 gain? Because now you're just showing that's like, yeah, we don't know what's next. We're scared. You don't want people to know you're scared. Um, it's like when you go on a roller coaster, you tell people, yeah, I'm confident. I do not care that the Tower of Terror is my biggest fear. I'm scared. But you don't want people to know. You're like, ah, this is nothing. And so I kind of thought he was putting on a brave front. Um, I still think it was kind of – it also reminds me of an SEC uh, background that he comes from. Um, the SEC is more prone to taking shots, whereas the Pac-12 is more not prone to taking shots. Um, this is, I think, the first time with Coach Prime being here, Dan Lanning, um, I think this is the first time that I remember, at least, where the Pac-12 has consistently had coaches who are not afraid of making comments about other people. I agree. I, I think there have not been as many instances. Like, SEC right. coaches, they take shots at each other seemingly. Right. All, I mean, Lane Kiffin is just... I mean, Lane, he's, Lane, he's Lane Kiffin all over the place. one of my articles about Oklahoma. Like, the dude is fine. W. With, w. Like, he's fine with firing shots at people. Like, he does not care. We've seen... Nick Saban fire shots at Jimbo. We've seen vice versa. We've seen uh, anybody and everybody. That's a good that. point. I never thought about that. So like Dan Lanning's a Georgia yeah. former Georgia defensive coordinator. As you, your Ducks fans know, he has an SEC background, and so maybe in the SEC, it's like you know what? Who cares? Like we don't care, and like we are going to talk about it. Is Colorado going to go out and beat Oregon? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's that's kind of how I feel as well. I don't think the bulletin board material would make. Uh, an impact there, but there are players that are going to make an impact for Colorado this season that weren't on the team last year that we have to ask uh, Kevin about, but I need to ask all of you, have you checked out LinkedIn jobs yet? Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Isn't that a good price? Go in there, create a free job post and add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can focus on and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one. That's numero uno for our Spanish-speaking brethren out there. There might be. You never know. show's been pretty popular lately in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I cannot ever get by without a second segment sip, Kevin. It can't be done. It just, it, it's, it's just, it's integral. It is, it's like breathing to me. I'm a no sip guy. I go the whole show and then I just chug a water right after. Ah, uh, yeah. I see. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on you there. I don't think that's you given the best possible product because I am now refreshed and refurbished, and you are hanging on by a thread. 
to give people the best content that uh, that you possibly can. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's get the Oregon fans up to date on everything that Colorado has done. They made a couple moves in the transfer portal this offseason, not a lot, but they made it they made a couple, just like 50. Uh, which is not overstating things. They have acquired, correct me if I'm wrong, 51 players right. via via the transfer portal, which is a lot to be sure. What yeah. is your assessment of that top-ranked overall transfer portal class in the 2023 cycle? Yeah, I think the transfer portal class addressed a lot of needs. Um, they're only returning 10 scholarship players um, from last year's 1-11 roster. Um, I think, uh, I'll just go on a short tangent about the, the transfer portal moves. Realistically, Colorado's 1-11 roster was statistically one of the worst rosters ever. I had uh, Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews on my show yesterday, this past week, and he just talked about how they ranked towards the bottom or at the bottom in every metric possible. And I think people were hoping that this was going to be some Disney movie where Coach Prime comes in and like turns it around and it's like, oh, don't worry, the power of teamwork and new coaching will fix everything. No, he came in to win games, and he's measured as a coach by how many games he's win, and he's measured as – his success is measured by how many games he wins, how much games he wins, excuse me. And so he was not going to win games with that roster. And so he came in, addressed just about every position, got better skill positions, um, better linebackers, better secondary, better everything. And it's going to be huge for them this this season. Um, it's going to be a completely different roster, uh, but that's a good thing. So they've brought in a new quarterback, Shadur Sanders. They've gonna, they're going to have new players at wide receiver. Is Travis Hunter expected to play both ways, by the way? Yeah. He's going to play both ways. I don't know how, how much. We're going to find out. Um, he only played receiver in spring ball um, to learn the offense. Um, gotcha. So. Well, I, I, I think that that's certainly doable, not just because Colorado's roster, relatively speaking, is is void of talent uh, when he when he got there compared to other schools at, at the Power Five. Obviously, they're bringing a lot in via the portal. But Oregon in 2015 had a very good football team, and we had a two-way player by the name of Charles Nelson, who was a wide receiver, but we were thin at safety. So we had to throw him out there, and he was really good. So I definitely think that that's something that is is fun to watch, is doable uh, as well. So I'm intrigued to see how that how that all all plays out. But I think the biggest question collectively from more outside people like myself, for sure, Kevin, with regards to this Buffs team is okay. You're going to be better at quarterback with Shador Sanders, no question about that. You're going to have more individual talented players, you know, like a, a, a Travis Hunter at receiver, for instance, or some young players uh, in, in the backfield or on, on the perimeter. But the biggest question is the trenches. And I feel good about Oregon's offensive line. I feel good about Oregon's defensive line. Those were big points of an advantage for the Ducks a season ago. What has the work been like in, in the trenches for Colorado this offseason as they've reshaped the roster? Yeah, the offensive line is my biggest concern. Um, I've talked about it just about every time I mention concerns for Colorado. Uh, they've brought in, obviously, a ton of transfers. They brought in two guys from Kent State who know the offense, so you would hope that they can kind of seamlessly fit in there. Um, I think the offensive line is interesting because of all the positions in the in the transfer portal where you'd like want to get a lot of Power 5 guys at, you would kind of put the offensive line as a sneaky... If we could get a couple guys from, say... Georgia, Alabama, or wh wherever it may be, that played some games, just didn't have the role they would hope, and then transferred, it'd be the offensive line. Um, you want guys that are experienced at the Power 5 level. Colorado went out and got a bunch of guys who are experienced, but not many, if any, I'm trying to think of all of them, are experienced at the Power 5 level, um, which is going to be difficult. Um, I think they're a little bit undersized. 
Um, I think this offense is kind of tough to learn for offensive linemen who are not used to going as fast as it does. Um, Colorado is going to run a play about every 30 seconds of real time. So they need linemen that could keep up with that. And they need linemen that can um, be consistent throughout the game because their quarterback situation behind Shadur is not ideal either. And so I'm more confident in the defense line um, than I am in the offense line. I would, I would hang my hat on the defense line a little more. They brought in experience. They brought in former five stars who didn't pan out. Um, so they have a lot, a mixture there. Um, I don't trust the offense line at all. So it sounds like offensively, you guys are trying to adopt the 2010 Chip Kelly offense, run a play as quickly as humanly possible, have smaller, more nimble offensive linemen. Talk about the, the offensive coordinator hire that, that Coach Prime made, what to expect from him, and what you think is, is possible for him in year one with the, the weapons and tools he's going to have. Yeah, Sean Lewis was the head coach at Kent State and left that job to be the offense coordinator at Colorado. Um, his offense is at Kent State, I believe, is called Flash Fast or something like that. It's called Buffs Fast or something now. Um, basically, all you need to know is that they want to go as fast as possible. Um, like I, I'm not even joking. 30 seconds of real time is kind of like how fast they were at Kent State. I believe it was the third fastest offense in college football. Um, it worked against Georgia and Oklahoma um, for portions of the first half against both of those teams gave them trouble because no one really goes that fast. It was when Chip Kelly first did it, it was revolutionary. And now Sean Lewis has kind of taken it to a whole other level. They're faster um, and they really pride themselves on never really letting the defense get comfortable. And I think a lot of defenses pride themselves on or hang their hats on. Okay. So we gave up a big play. We're going to have some time to kind of reset real quick. Sean Lewis has probably already relayed the play and they're going to be snapping the ball by the time your defensive lineman puts his hand in the dirt. And so he wants to go fast. Um, I think of any coach on the staff were to be hired as a head coach after the season, probably be him. Um, I think he was due for a head coach, a bigger head coaching job after Kent State. And I think this gives him the platform with better weapons and um, just overall better assets than he had at Kent State. Yeah, I mean, having an, an identity as a coordinator trying to rise through the ranks and one day be a power five head coach, I think is a really, really positive thing because you know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that they were running that sort of blur offense at, at Kent State a year ago, but I'm going to know that they're doing it at Colorado. So to your point, like he's got a bigger platform to kind of display that sort of stuff. And you're, you know, speaking a language that Oregon fans understand very, very well. I remember back in uh, 2010 when Oregon went undefeated in the regular season, went to the national championship game. There was this interview clip leading up to the Natty against uh, Auburn. Dyer was down. But there was this clip leading up to it of LaMichael James getting asked to do his best impersonation of Chip Kelly. I think I don't remember who asked him the question, but he was just standing there, a bunch of reporters, and someone goes, what, what's your best impression of Chip Kelly at practice? What's he like? And he just goes, tempo, 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 faster, faster, faster. <laughs> and that's like all he said. And I remember that very vividly. And it sounds like that's what Colorado is trying to to kind of have in, in place there. And look, it, it's not that they're going to be the first team to do it, but it can still be very effective. Tempo still uh, does work exceptionally well. I don't think there's anyone who's, you know, tried to be as tempo-oriented as Oregon was back with Chip Kelly back in the day in, in quite some time. But teams have certainly adopted it in some level and been like, okay, we want to go faster. We don't need to huddle on every play. We can we can have a little bit more rhythm. But having, you know, we called it the blur offense uh, or going at warp speed, right? And when we went warp speed, I mean, it was... It was rattling off and you didn't know if we were running RPO pump faking the screens like that was that was kind of the, the, the MO there. But 
one thing that those Chip Kelly offenses had was a guy to orchestrate the whole thing at the quarterback position. So for Colorado, that's going to be Shador Sanders. Deion Sun played at Jackson State, was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, and very much looks the part to be that 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 sort of player, and I think is better than uh, what Colorado had at quarterback a year ago. Hot take. Hot take. The Buffs are going to get better production from their quarterback in 2023 than 2022. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I agree, though. I agree, though. He. I mean, I'll go off on Shadur a little bit right now. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that's where we're going before you're, you're scolding hot takes. Uh, <laughs> it realistically, was. Um, he, he tore up the FCS level. Like, it was – the epitome of too easy for him. Um, I think he threw something like 70 touchdowns to a handful, maybe 10 interceptions in two years. Um, he's a super smart um, individual. Uh, he knows his moments. Um, he can run. Um, he's not like Marcus Mariota where he's going to be running all over the field and kind of shaking defenses. And he's like Cam Ward has kind of been his comparison uh, because that's the most recent thing, a recent quarterback going from FCS to Power 5. Cam Ward likes to – you guys saw it against Oregon. Um, that was kind of the emergence of mm-hmm. Cam Ward. Uh, he would run in a few circles, um, throw the ball behind his back or something, and then run downfield. With the, like, Shadur's not going to do that. Uh, I think Coach Prime himself has kind of made sure that Shadur needs to play smart. Um, he'll run because he's capable of it, but it's not like something he leans on. Um, he wants to stay in the pocket. He has a huge arm. And realistically, with better weapons, you'd expect better performances from him. I think the only thing that I that I'm worried about for him is being that Jackson State was so easy for him. Are there going to be throws that he made at Jackson State where it's like I could outthrow everybody on this field? Does that transfer to Colorado or uh, yeah, Colorado? And like, does that transfer to playing against Oregon, um, playing against former Colorado corner Nico Reed, who apparently that he. They were they were dicing him up in, in spring ball, so maybe they'll target him a little bit. That's a matchup I'd be interested to see um, during the game. But, yes, Shadur Sanders has a huge arm. He's very smart. And realistically, and you never want to think about injury, but he's all Colorado has at quarterback. Um, so they can't afford him taking big hits, which is why the offensive line worries me and stuff like that. So, yeah, Shadur's a he's a wild card, I would say. Yeah, and Cam Ward, I think, is a, a good comp. Oregon fans remember very well. Vernon Adams came from the FCS level and was was very, very good. But I was nodding my head, for those of you listening on podcast, when you were talking about the throws that he needs to learn he can't make. That's the biggest question when you do that. And And Cam Ward, by the way, underwent those growing pains a season ago. He had to learn, okay, I, I can't outrun everybody all the time. I can't just chuck it so far and you know fit it into every window like guys are faster you have to process things quicker doesn't mean it can't be done or that he'll be terrible but to say that he'll be the same player in year one as he will be in year two I don't think is accurate and I think Cam Ward can be a better version of of himself the best version of himself compared to what he was uh for parts of last season when when he was very up and down you know Cam Ward first half of the year was really really good and then as the year went on it fell off. His yards per game dropped. His touchdowns dropped. His completion percentage dropped as people, I think, kind of got some film on him in the offense and such. And that's part of the dynamic of playing quarterback at, at this level as well. As you're going up against better coaching. is It's not just about, hey, I'm the best player on the field or I'm the most dynamic athlete or anything like that. No, you have to be a film junkie. You have to be able to work with your coaching staff to adapt to, you know, you have to adjust to the adjustments 
basically. Yeah. I talk about this with uh, my friends when talking about baseball all the time. It's like a guy comes up from AAA and he's hitting 300 over the first 15 games. They're going to make adjustments. You have to then adjust to those adjustments. And I think it applies in, in, in football as well. So well, just wrapping this up. Uh, between Oregon and, or yeah, go, go, go ahead, Kevin. I was going to say one edge that Shadur has over a lot of quarterbacks is um, this past summer, he was working out with Tom Brady. Um, so getting in work with TB 12 probably helps out the decision-making a lot. Um, we'll see what kind of, I'm not going to say he's going to be Tom Brady by any means, but I want to see if there's anything where it's like, Oh, that seems like something Tom Brady taught him. I did not know that. And that is never a bad thing. Never you know? work with the goat. Never no, back. It's never, never it's, it's never, never it's bad. never a bad thing. He's he'll only be the goat for another like seven or so years until Mahomes surpasses him. I mean, Mahomes Mahomes is Mahomes is awesome. He is, he is. Um anyway, I I wrapping this up on on, on our, our discussion with, with with Colorado here in the Oregon game, I I think Oregon will be totally fine. I don't think it'll be forty nine to ten. I mean, last year's game was really never close. I mean, it was fourteen nothing in like an instant and then Colorado, you know, made a drive down the field, but then it was just touchdown, stop, touchdown, interception, touchdown. And it was just, I mean, Oregon was playing with their food last year. I think Oregon will win this game and they will be just fine. I don't think it'll be, we're going to hand it off to our linebacker and throw it to an offensive lineman sort of game. I, I don't know that it'll be, you know, that sort of approach or mentality because Colorado ha- has improved, but I think the Ducks have got a much better roster. I trust their coaching staff. I like their quarterback situation. But, like, you go up and down the board, quarterback, receivers, running backs, offensive line, defensive line. I think Oregon's better at pretty much every position group. You could maybe look at corner as being comparable with Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean. Um, but Cormani is, you know, a, an unproven five-star at this point in time. So I, I think even that would be would be suspect at best. Uh, any any closing thoughts for you on, you know, kind of what, what Colorado can present to Oregon in Autzen Stadium? Yeah, I think they're going to be a lot, a much more of a challenge than last year's team. I don't hot take alert again. We're just spewing out hot takes. I today. know we are going out on thin <laughs> tree limbs that can barely support our weight. They're going to they're going to be a much better team. Um, I think we're going to learn how they handle adversity. Um, I think that's my biggest question about this team as a whole is how do they handle being kind of punched in the mouth a little bit? I imagine Bo Nix is going to be a back to his bonix activity this that we saw this past year i think kenny dillingham unlocked something in him so they're gonna face dynamic quarterbacks they're gonna face solid defense and how do they respond to that um that's gonna be my biggest question um i do think colorado has the chance for element of surprise and i think that's kind of what they got going for them in every game um in the early part of the season is yes you know the offense that they're going to be running and yes they have film on it for the past few games but what do they change up how do they make adjustments? How do they make, how does Sean Lewis adjust his offense to how defenses are responding consistently at the power five level? How does Charles Kelly, the former Alabama uh, linebackers coach run the defense? Because Alabama's defenses are notoriously good at adjusting to defenses. Obviously this isn't Alabama, but you have an Alabama mindset. And so I think that also pays dividends. So we're going to see a lot of different changes. And I think we're going to see a lot of adjustments from this Colorado team. And so don't expect like a 45 to whatever the final score was last year. 49 um, to 10. There we go. Don't expect that. Um, I would say it's going to be closer. Um, I think I'll say this. If Colorado wins, they played a perfect game and they found a major flaw in Oregon. Uh, I don't know what that flaw would be, but they they found it. That, I think that's the key to winning. Bo Nix getting hurt would probably be how that, how that plays out. 
I'm not praying for that. <laughs> not yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, like, not, I, the, I, yeah. I agree, caller. I think rather than 49 to 10, it might end up being like 38 to 20 and a close game at the half, and then the Ducks pull away. Like that's that's kind of what we're what we're talking about here because I think the Ducks will be just fine. Kevin Borba, Locked On Buffs, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts all year long. Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.